Hello, and welcome to Repertory Screenings, episode 21. I'm your host, Dan. With me, our regular co-host, Jackson. Hello. And Destiny. Hi. Our podcast can drink. Raise the glass. That's true. We're going to need yeah. to. I guess. Um, how's everybody doing? Jackson, have you seen any movies the last two weeks? I have. What'd you watch? Uh, I watched a movie called The Spy Goes North, which is a South Korean spy movie that uh, I I loved. It is exactly what you would expect. It is a movie about a South Korean spy uh, going north and initially, you know, spying on them for nuclear weapons, but then learning maybe his uh, bosses aren't all that they seem as well. And how can the spirit of cooperation, you know, the same as every single one of these stories. Uh, uh, and being the same as every single one of these stories and being a movie about people, uh, you know, in long coats and briefcases, uh, anxiously talking to each other about spy shit for two hours, fucking loved it. It's just a yeah, fantastic one great. of those. <laughs> uh, like, there's no want. surprises. You know, you know exactly what's going to happen, but I, I love it. It's a good genre. It delivers, uh, so long as you don't fuck it up and make a bad movie, it delivers do, every time. Do the, do the South Koreans sing the North Korean national anthem at like a Christmas party? That's my big question. <laughs> no, no, that didn't happen. But it could, it could have. It totally could have. Uh, that might be my favorite scene in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is also a movie I just love. But when they all sing the Soviet anthem, it's great. Yep. Yes, no, I did immediately start reading, uh, like, Call for the Dead after I finished it, also. Oh, cool, cool. How's that going? <laughs> that, that's a good book. All right. Um, Destiny, have you seen any movies? Um, we watched Halloween 4. We did watch Halloween 4, that is correct. The Return of Michael Myers, I think that's what that's yep. called. That movie was a yeah. lot of fun. It was it was it was goofy. It was not a very good movie. I feel like it wasn't a good Halloween movie, but it it still satisfied a deep love of schlock that I have. Mm-hmm. That it? No other thoughts? Um, no. I mean, like like you said, it was kind of a middling Halloween movie. Um, the movie after it, I don't think I've ever seen, which is kind of weird. Oh, okay. We'll watch that. I'm excited because I want to get through all the Halloween movies so I can go see that new one when it comes right. out. Uh, I assume the end of this year. I feel uh, like... I, oh, sorry. I was like, what other movie no, did I see? You talk. <laughs> um, so I went ahead and watched A Quiet Place in preparation for A Quiet Place 2 coming out uh, next week, only to find that A Quiet Place 2 is not coming out next week because every movie is getting pushed out of release calendar uh, thanks to uh, COVID's fear, panic, incitement uh, for all people everywhere. Um, I'm a little blasé about the whole thing because uh, I think the overreaction is strong considering people go out in flu season every year um and while this is slightly more dangerous than the flu uh it's still not it's still not that, I, i'm convinced it's still not that bad so that's me but uh i have been going to the movies saw a quiet place quiet place is pretty good has good tension i think the monster is cool and the the gimmick with everyone using sign language works uh i think the movie's like really reactionary about like no the preppers were right and we just need it we just need a tough dad who's rugged and individualist and teaches his kids and wife how to use guns and that's what'll save us it's like all the shit that is gross about zombie fiction uh divorced from like everyone's used to it in zombie fiction so it was really striking in this movie which is like basically like a weird alien invasion movie almost um the like 
John Straczynski uh, feels like a weird libertarian gross guy, but um, the movie was good as a horror film, even if its politics were all backwards and weird. Oh, he, he definitely is. Yes. No, for sure. I mean, he Jack played Ryan Jack Ryan. When I was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's like giving statements about how powerful and important Jack Ryan is. So yeah, like that's yeah. just him. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know that about yeah. him. Yes. That's a shame. Um, but I'm excited for the second movie because I, I thought the first one was good. I think uh, the gimmick of the second movie... Uh, I don't, it's spoilers, but I think there's there's like a gimmick that's like the movie has like flashbacks and like present moment stuff, and I think the flashback stuff is ill in, intentioned. But we'll see how it goes when the movie comes out in like three months or whenever. Uh, once this is all blown over, uh, and not next week. Um, I also went to see the Invisible Man. Um, we didn't talk about this last time, right? I hadn't seen this. No, yet. I, nope. I don't no, no, we didn't. Recall. Yeah. Uh, shout out to the Dark Universe. I, I almost am certain I talked to a mic. Shout out to the Dark Universe. I saw the Invisible Man. <laughs> I think that was VoIP Life. Okay. Um, but Invisible Man's really good. It's still in theaters because nothing's coming out anymore. So you can go see it. If you want to see Elizabeth Moss in like a very like glamorous and low budget relatively like so they can't like fuck it all up with too much hands in the pot like almost Hitchcockian take on a horror movie it's got your back it's really good i liked it a whole lot i i definitely recommend it um i just thought it was really fun uh not like super spooky uh it's like a thriller plus uh because there's more murder in it than you'd get in a thriller but um you know it's a whole thing Um, I guess that's kind of it. I did watch the Creep Show TV show that Shudder put out. Uh, we talked about this a little bit when we watched Creep Show for this podcast uh, in Halloween, and uh, it's very good. Uh, it's silly. Uh, it's colorful. It's really. Uh, it's all physical, practical effects. So it's just a lot of blood and puppets, and exactly what you'd want. Um, not every short story is a winner, and uh, some of my favorite ones are like the most fraught. But it's good. I liked it a lot recommended it's only six episodes so they're they're doing a season two uh if you like horror movies shutter seems like a pretty good service yeah the the clips you uploaded seem pretty cool yeah just look like creep show in a way that i would surprise something in 2019 could uh 2020 could do well that's what happens when you get old school horror people making a tv show for a streaming service right yep yep yeah um all right i guess with that we should get into our movie uh, yeah, we watched Dolomite, which is the 1979 film uh, directed by uh, Derville Martin and produced by Rudy Ray Moore, starring Rudy Ray Moore, uh, screenplay by Jerry Jones. This is uh, a classic of black exploitation cinema is a crime comedy movie uh, about Dolomite, who is a uh, pimp and entrepreneur who gets released out of prison uh, because the warden needs his help to take down the guy who replaced him, uh, who's named Willie Green, who is way more violent and uh, evil in that he's like selling drugs and running guns and seems to be connected all up and down the political spectrum. And we can't have that. So Dolomite has got to go out and reclaim his territory and get rid of Willie Green. And he's going to do that uh, through, you know, uh, you know, spitting rhymes and utilizing his women who work at his club who have all been trained in the martial arts <laughs> while he's been in prison. They've gone to karate school. Yeah, karate school. (laughs) Um, I picked this movie because, you know, 
Uh, we're doing our Black History Month uh, through March, and Destiny and Jackson, neither of them had seen it. I'd seen it a long time ago and forgotten large portions of it, um, but I remembered it being fun, and uh, you know what? It was weirder than I remember it being. So, yes, it's a weird movie. How does everybody feel about Dolomite? Jackson, you get to go first. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I definitely was like... Uh, so, it's my first... Um, black exploitation movie and more than that it's my first like i realized watching it that i hadn't watched many low budget or like very clearly uh just uh apart from since we've done for this podcast i guess uh independent older movies right? yes um, yeah like pre-90s independent cinema was a whole other yeah. texture of film and i just realized oh right i have i've barely seen any of this um like i know i'm undersold generally but not to this extent um uh, under under scene, I guess, not sold, uh, and so it was just very surprising. Just like the tenor of it, uh, it was it was not a bad way, but I definitely realized I was like, uh, not out of my depth, but experiencing new things. Um, I had a great time. It is a weird movie. Uh, it like moves from basically skit to skit very quickly. Yes, uh, and is mostly about people, you know. Awkwardly delivering lines sometimes, uh, or whatever ridiculous thing Dolomite is doing in this scene. Yes. Uh, which is really all you need for 89 minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the part where it, it looks like porn sets out of Boogie Nights and the editing is non-existent to <laughs> non-existent. garbage. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, just, just like a part of like 70s independent cinema. Like, you know, everyone was doing the best they could with very little money and... Uh, you know institutional knowledge was not the same thing pre like you know the new 90s independent wave right where everyone saw seven thousand movies and knew how to cut a film together uh and also like the every single person in the movie like speaks their lines in a ridiculous way like you better be sure what you're doing on this one dolomites yes (laughs) and which uh never doesn't be entertaining um there's some real standout, like the 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 priest. I think is a just a just a king. I love him. Oh, yeah. He's great. <laughs> um, yeah, it's worth pointing out. Dolomite was a comedy character that Rudy Ray Moore did as like bit, character bits, like you know, because he was just a comedian. Uh, wanted to make a movie out of it. Uh, the movie pl- is played relatively straight, uh, but is absolutely a comedy. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Destiny, how did you find the film? I thought it was hilarious. And very weird. Um, when I was growing up, there used to be these really funny mad TV parodies of black exploitation films that like kind of made fun of the bad editing and acting. And I didn't realize how how bad <laughs> the uh, the editing was. Like a lot of the sex scenes would just have like sections cut out of them and abrupt cuts. And oh, it was I, I thought it was a delight. Um, I d- don't necessarily like the Dolomite character. Like, I don't think his rhymes are as funny as he does and everyone else. But I really did appreciate the, like, outfits and the karate school girls and Queen Bee and all the ridiculous corrupt white cops. Like, what a silly thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh... The thing that I think is interesting about this movie is like this is 75 black exploitation like 
usually is point to like uh sweet sweetback's badass song which i think is 1970 uh so it's been five years into the black exploitation genre and this already feels like a like meta commentary on the genre like Dolomite is a superfly style pimp who knows Kung Fu uh, and has all these ladies who now also know Kung Fu and they're all tough and they're all going to beat down the cops and the other pimp who's clearly working for the mayor who is just a cartoon rat man. Uh, uh, I like he's just he's just 70s Paul Giamatti. It's incredible. Uh, (laughs) I thought he was more of a Wallace Shawn, but yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. That's fair. Yeah. Um, And the ways in which it like play like clearly is just like paying lip service to the form to deliver ridiculous characters and asides and whatever uh feels very intentional uh despite the movie's like you know otherwise amateur quality we've talked about like it knows what it's playing with and it's doing it in a way that assumes the audience knows all the bits that go into these movies so they don't have to spend time like talking too much about the stakes you know the warden literally gives dolomite the are you a bad enough dude to save the president speech at the beginning and sends him on his way <laughs> um and so the movie just gets to unfold that way, which I think is uh, interesting and good. Um, I do think, like, Dolomite as a character is an interesting wrinkle on, like, the pimp hero. Because the movie goes out of its way to... Sh- it's weird, because there's, like, a weird friction with Dolomite and Queen Bee and Willie Green being, like, upwardly mobile crime characters. But they, they live in a city that is, like, actively undergoing a drug crisis. Like, there are, like, realistic characters standing around in abject poverty while they strut through scenes. And it's really interesting to see, like, the very deliberate juxtaposition of those two things. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a guy called Creeper that Dolomite has to find who is literally just, like, a heroin fiend and is, a tr- like, tragic. Like, he's just bubbles from the wire. Uh, yeah. And Dolomite, yeah, and Dolomite interacts with him like a cartoon character. Like he starts in and is just like talking in, in black exploitation speech while, you know, Creeper is actively looking for a fix and is barely remembers Dolomite and where he's at. And the two just have to interact in it. There's this weird sense of like the movie, like showing how ridiculous these characters are because these characters became heroes, like in the pop culture of the time. Um, and I feel like Dolomite, the movie has a dim view of that as a thing like these are not like good people yeah because like so obviously i'm not like as familiar with the genre but hey you know i have some just context from being alive (laughs) um and it's definitely clear that dolomite is like while earnestly in the movie a very like funny hero or whatever uh is also like you know because it becomes from a place of comedy is definitely understands this is more of a joke for everyone to like enjoy right than uh to completely invest in this guy as the the true good in in the world yeah i felt like the creeper character was supposed to be funny really yeah Hmm. i didn't read him as a tragic figure until the like twist where he gets shot uh like right from the scene where he's uh like bugging that lady for a hamburger at the hamburger stand i was like oh this is just bubbles like you, they just put bubbles in this movie oh, yeah no i didn't yeah. read it that way at all i read it as oh he's supposed to be kind of funny and it's obviously inappropriate um but the- i mean i think i think those characters can be fun like bubbles is funny he's like the saddest character on earth but he's also funny yeah cause- no i mean like i don't know never mind no i what are you gonna say oh no it's just like i just feel like you're supposed to think he's funny because he's a loser like i think that's literally what the movie was doing hmm okay 
Yeah, I uh, I took it the other way. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, like there's that character. There's the Reverend who is, as Jackson pointed out, is just this ridiculous. Oh God. Like, like hypocritical black militant guy who's like preaching all these things while he's got ladies in the back and a stash of guns uh, that he's never going to. It feels like the movie's like this guy's never going to use them. He has the guns because he thinks that it makes him tough and cool. Yeah. But he's not actually doing anything with it. Like he was a big power player in the 60s, but then he like lost it all because he found God and he still wants to be Mm -hmm. that guy. He's holding on. Yeah. And then there's a bit where Dynamite comes around, uh, asks him for stuff, and they have this te- like tense standoff, and suddenly his like, goons pop out of the, the coffins that are just around the church. Yeah, they're posing yes. as dead bodies. Yeah. And in the middle of the scene, they just, bam, pop up. They're aiming guns out of the coffins where they were lying the whole time in wait. That was a pretty good scene. <laughs> That's good. My favorite scene in this entire movie was the Dolomite show. Which only <laughs> seems to be about ten minutes long. <laughs> it yes. involves, uh, you know, having a singer and some dancers, and then he comes out and he recites, and then it's over. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, the it's weird because like the state, like the, they make it sound throughout the movie, at least to me, like the, he was running like a strip club. When they say a club, that's what I assumed, and it's like a weird throwbacky variety show. Like, you know, he might as well be running like an Indiana Jones nightclub, right? Like, there's there's dancers, there's a live band. They bring a singer on to sing like a, a ballad. <laughs> it's so incongruous to what was expected. Because early on when he comes in and takes the club back, like they're they're having girls audition like like dancing in their underwear on stage like it is a strip club. And then they do don't go that well, way. Well that's what Willie was owner. Yeah. Maybe it was a strip club under Willie, but under Dolomite, it's mm-hmm. like this amazing nightclub. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um my favorite scene is when he when uh, Dolomite's just walking down the street and a bunch of guys go up to her like, Are you Dolomite? We have five bucks to say you're Dolomite. You need to prove it though. And so he has to deliver this like you know spoken word speech rap you know early like rap soliloquy about this guy who works on the titanic that goes on forever uh it never stops (laughs) as they all just enjoy it uh which is clearly just Rudy Ray Moore putting the stuff he does on stage or like in the movie uh because this is the thing he did is it's what he's famous for uh he is you credit it as being like one of the first people who like did rap in the way we understand it. Um, so that stuff is really interesting. And I really like the story is like kind of hokey and old fashioned, but it it works. Like, I think the, the, a lot of the jokes are funny and the way the characters react to it is uh, uh, ridiculous and outsized and good. Um, and the movie just stopping to do like a, like we're going to put this performance on film because it probably wasn't otherwise on film before is good. I like that a lot. Yeah, I believe like most of it was records that he had put out that have like mm. hilariously obscene names, um, mm. like eat out more often and this pussy is mine. Um, he really <laughs> loves his profanity, which is hilarious because he was a deeply, really Ray Moore was a deeply religious man from what I can tell. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, also enjoyed that scene. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, more to the plot, like the movie's got your stereotypical corrupt cops and, uh, Willie Green's working with the mayor and the corrupt cops are these just this ridiculous, sweaty, like porny looking seventies men. Like they just have cop faces and they're gross. Yeah. Uh, the mayor is so they gross. Just, yes. I don't know where um, they found that man with his weird accent. Yes. God, he's so weird. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's a bit at the end when the when the cops come in to shoot down Deloitte where they're dressed like they came out of a different movie. Like suddenly they're wearing like like leather and <laughs> like biker clothes uh, in a way that is just really weird. Just bizarre choices sometimes. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting wardrobe happening in this film. I just am glad we watched it. Me too. I feel like we've gone kind of short. Does anyone have other stuff? Um, yeah, it's weird, right? Because like I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, I enjoyed uh, this like look into this genre that like. So yeah, here's another thing of just um, going back and watching movies like this. Uh, just makes me feel weird about specifically Quentin Tarantino just being so, like because it's just the most like you know repurposing a cheap aesthetic for like for high art right like i mean it's not yeah. high art but yes that also that also isn't his right like yes right yeah um so so like it was this but also like you know um do it hmm, hmm, hmm. yeah well, i started down this path <laughs> yes may as well uh you know uh, uh, anyway i click clicked on like some you know seeing old movies these cheap movies that are like li- like there's no difference in the aesthetic, right? It's not like something was added by the new uh, looking back retro versions of this that he did. Uh, it's literally like the credits are the same. The the way that it's shot is the same. Like the editing understanding is better. Uh, but th- for some reason, you just assume that there was like some, a bit more of a twist on how it was put together. Cause that's how people always say like, Oh, he, he's constructed something uh, genius out of the like arts of old, but he hasn't, he's just remade it. But now it's like cool and can yeah. make a lot of money. Yeah. Like you look at like, even like Reservoir Dogs, you look at any Godard film, like, Oh, he just did this. He just did it again. It's in yeah, English he just, now. He just did it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, no, there's the, the, like, I think that stuff is like important because for me it was like a gateway to the cinema. Like I started watching black exploitation movies because I liked Jackie Brown a whole fucking lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were already there, if you already cared about film history, um, he's just like the fucking biggest scam artist in history. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I get, like, and definitely there, there's that opinion, and I think there's like merit to it because, like, while he's very honest about the fact that he's stolen from every movie he ever loved. Um, <laughs> You know, not everyone always goes back and looks at them, right? Like, there isn't the, right. quite the impetus to like, no, you have to go back and watch these movies. You have to go back and watch, uh, you know, uh, Foxy Brown or something. Also, he's rich, and the people who made most of those movies are very not. Yeah, there's that too, <laughs> for sure. Uh, so it's just it's, it's just very strange um, mm-hmm. to like because I like intellectually know that, but definitely seeing it is like, man. Man, God that's damn, how I feel dude. more old movies I watch. I'm just like, oh, I don't even understand how I like Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're not wrong. Uh, it's it's really interesting because yeah, there isn't a whole lot of difference. Um, just characters and aesthetics lifted wholesale. Um, 
Uh, Going back to the plot of this movie. Yeah. That, like, little Jimmy storyline where his nephew gets gunned down and he's supposed to, like, Mm -hmm. solve the problems that are affecting the community, that just kind of gets dropped. It doesn't really go anywhere. (laughs) It's like a weird lip service to, like, we know this is a problem, but we're going to make a movie about this pimp and these drugs anyway. Yeah, it, it like definitely gestures towards this like the friction of these characters, right? Because they these are heroic criminals, and that like that that exists in context, right? Where like you know ways like respectability politics and working for the man and with the man are like problems, you know? Like there there's a political ramification to that, uh, and so these movies often glorify people who like do violence, and you know, pimps are an inherently evil thing. There's no such thing as an ethical pimp; it's bad. Um, and but also, like the movies can only really invest in that so much because these movies are about those characters and how they are good because they exist in a context where anything that goes against like the societal forces, like on the black community is the bad guy. And then it's confusing because, right? like, is he working for the FBI? Like... Yeah, basically, like, yeah, the <laughs> thing is, like, Willie Green's evil because he works for the mayor. Dolomite is good because he's working for an FBI agent and the warden of the prison. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's definitely, like, the plot of the movie is, like, a proxy war for control of the city via different sects of, like, the good state and the bad state, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even, like, secretly about that in a way. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just the plot of the movie. Yeah. It's not subtext. It's text. Yeah. Yep. I do think it's interesting, like, at the end, like, he saves the day, Willie Green's taken care of, got his guts tore out, uh, and all the bad guys, like, the, the uh, mayor's been shot and whatever, um, and then they just close Dolomite's club down and take everything. <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's like, uh, what are you going to do now, Dolomite? And it cuts to a song about how he's going to, like, it, it's implied he's going to go back to Africa or whatever, right? Because um, the song's like, oh, rambling back to my home or whatever. Um in this very ridiculous way over the credits, because there's no actual denouement. It's just like, you've been shut down. Like, they let him solve their problems and then closed him down anyway. And, like, the way it cuts the credits is literally mid-conversation. It's not even, like, on a, a natural beat. Yeah. It just kind of cuts in the song plays. Like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. Checks mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Which, I know the sequel to this is not, like... It's not Shaft in Africa, right? Like, it's about him going on, like, a tour, like, a comedy tour and being famous again and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not seen Shaft in Africa, but they did do that. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> yeah. they, they did do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Richard Roundtree can do what he wants, I guess. Um but yeah, no, th- that stuff I think is interesting because it, it it's here and it's worth digging into. But like the movie just kind of lays it out and lets it lie. Like it's not intentionally pointing too hard at those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like, you know, it's easy with like genre fiction and schlocky stuff like this to go, like look at it and just kind of take it to face value. Like he's the pimp who's going to beat up the cops and the mayor and whatever. And that's all it is and not think too much about it. But, uh, that stuff is like definitely present and at least partially intentional. Like it'd be rude not to just like acknowledge that that stuff exists thematically throughout the film, mm-hmm. which is the thing that Tarantino didn't take out of this shit. Cause that man hasn't had political ideology in his entire fucking life. Uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, 
beyond it's good when like it's it's higher political ideology is like driven by the movies themselves right yes yeah of like the catharsis of the movie is the point is like the political point of the movie which is like interesting in some of his films but then literally taken to its fucking ludicrous extreme in his latest one god yeah it, it's when it's when the jewish soldiers shoot hitler and that that's it that's all you get that's your that's, that's that's praxis yeah is when i make a movie about it <laughs> um, um but yeah uh i like this movie a whole lot i was surprised by it um it's good i like uh this is just inherent i think in 70s <coughs> movies in general is no one in 70s movies has ever known what sexy is in their entire fucking oh, it's life amazing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and oh, it's not so- just it's not just black exploitation because Destiny likes all these genre Lynn lesbian vampire movies that are also like anytime someone has sex, it's like you've never seen sex, you've never you barely <laughs> heard about it, you don't know what it looks like, uh, and this isn't it. Seem to think that sex is just like kind of pawing at each other and like <laughs> yes. kissing in weird Every- spots. Every t- so this was one of the funniest uh, like movies of sex scenes I've seen because it had multiple scenes where people would like go down to give a character a blowjob, but they were, you know they hadn't like done the pit where they'd mimed taking someone you know they, even off camera unzipping someone. There were just people like going down on it on air. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, right when right when Dolomite gets out of prison, he makes a big show of changing out of his prison suit into his like cool pimp suit, and then gets in the back of the car. And because they they framed it in the way where they like they couldn't actually do it, it looks like all these women are just giving him raspberries on his very dumpy stomach and it's very funny <laughs> it's so funny it's because like, do they, i'll go ahead do they do they think they're just out of frame when they're doing that it's i don't like, know i don't I know because uh, the thing i like is dolomite is like apparently this like super badass kung fu master guy but also he's just kind of like middle-aged and you know has an extreme dad bod and can't kick above his waist like every time he <laughs> does a stunt it's hilarious how bad it is yeah, the it doesn't even like try to convince you that this is like actually someone who could be this cool, which is amazing when they like start. Some of the extras are like actually just buff guys who are young. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's great. I love it. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts? Um, can't uh, let this pass without shouting out how slimy and ridiculous the white cops were. Yes. Yeah, their, so their first scene where they show up and like harass him, and then he like pretends to get beaten up by them, and then they turn around and he beats them both up. <laughs> when when the two like cr- like evil corrupt cops get arrested at the end, uh, I did like that they got the two black cops to go and arrest them. Um, you know, we none of this uh, black clansmen. My commander guy is the good guy for arresting the one bad cop in town. <laughs> Shit. Yep. Um. Which is, it's just funny to see that on screen, like, the difference, because we talk so much about that scene, and how, Mm -hmm. like, tense it is, like, ideologically. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I, uh, Destiny, any final thoughts? Um, I think I need to see the sequel just to know what Dolomite's gonna do, Uh, and I know there's a third movie as well. um, It's like, it's, it's like, kind of related, it's like way later i think it's called shaolin dolomite really yeah it's a 1999 film oh okay (laughs) and it it has like redubbed footage from a taiwanese film and then they just put bits of dolomite in it or like really really more in it wow okay (laughs) yes 
Uh, this The redub plotline involves Tupac, a renegade member of the Dolomite clan, stealing a sacred bell from the Wu-Tang clan and joining forces with a group of ninjas. Well, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> the 90s. Yeah. So uh, I bet that's wild. And then, the, the, of course, there's Dolomite is my name, which is the... Uh, it is a movie about the creation of this movie that is out on Netflix starring Eddie Murphy, which I would lo- I definitely were going to watch, but did not get around to it before we did this. I'm very excited to see that, too, because um, there's yeah. not a lot out there on the making of this movie, at least when I did a cursory Google search. Mm-hmm. Okay, if that's everything, we'll go to questions. Yeah. We have two questions. If you want to send questions, you can send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com um, about this movie, about any movie. You know, we just like questions about whatever. Uh, please send us questions. We always like them. And I, you know, we'll talk about movies all day long. I don't give a shit. Um, first one is from Tron. Uh, who's your favorite character in this movie? I liked the preacher. Yeah. Oh, and Queen Bee. Uh, I was say him as well. Yeah, I like Queen Bee. I think she's great. It looks like she's she got shot, but I think she's in the next movie, so I'm glad that she survived. <laughs> she definitely died in the big, like, everything's kicked yes. off and everyone's dying action scene, because who yes. cares? Yeah. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, what do you all think about the action scene in this movie? How about when the cook sh- chars someone's face? Which is very funny, because uh, they don't have the budget to show it. Yeah, the like, two seconds of gore that they can't afford to show in, in some of these action scenes is very funny. Yes. I love when people who don't actually know martial arts do martial arts in movies. It's my favorite thing that we've entirely lost because now everyone has a six month regimen where they learn how to do all of this shit. Um, yeah. And I, I like, I get it, but also it's not as fun. It's definitely not as fun. It, this was, oh, I think that was my favorite aspect of this film was just everybody just knows Kung Fu. Yes. <laughs> Made me very happy. Um, what do you, what is your favorite Dolomite outfit? Hmm. Well, I know my least favorite is the first thing you see him wearing, which I don't even understand. That hat and then those pants and ugh. it's so outrageous. The actual first thing, the actual first thing is his very like high waisted prison uniform, which actually looks pretty good on him. I feel oh, the like. prison uniforms are actually pretty nice in that. Uh, <laughs> yes, in that first scene. I I just mean his for his um yes. when he gets arrested. Yeah, sure. That's what I'm talking about. The yeah. outfit he gets arrested in is fucking horrible yes. for his furs and <laughs> drugs yes uh favorite outfit i like the powder blue suit mm-hmm. um i like what he wears during the dolomite show yes that's probably my favorite one. i was more distracted and interested by the outfits worn by a lot of his like lady friends like chai's outfits and all the rompers and like the matchy yes. matchy sets oh so cute yeah Jackson, did you have one? I didn't really like. I mean, I, I liked the outfits, but I didn't like take note of which was, was my favorite. Uh, the, okay. That first one was it. Just it. It definitely like you know. It's t- so much that first one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's so many because good high waisted pants on Dolomite, though. Let's just you know give a shout out to that. Because yes. he so he gets out of prison and he's in just like a normal suit. Um, and he like starts stripping in front of everyone. Everyone starts watching. And everyone's like, 
acting, cuts to all these reaction shots of uh, all the prison guards being horrified by his audacity and all the prisoners being like, yeah. And then it cuts back to him after he started putting things on. And the thing he's actually wearing is so ridiculous. Yes. Uh, that I cannot help but love that. Like As an intro, it's incredible. <laughs> Uh, here's a question. Uh, what do you all think of the FBI being depicted as the good cops in crime drama sometimes? Or the like, often it is local police that are bad, but the national, whatever that is, is better. Like, uh, Fast and Furious does this. <laughs> um, I mean, so you gotta always, like, all these movies, you gotta have, like, the, the good force of the state that will self-correct the problem. Yes. Um... So that's just a thing in movies. Oh, the forever. Avengers, the, right? The Avengers. Uh, but I meant more specifically than that. Yes, right? you yes. have your movie about the fun, uh, you know, illegal stuff. But there's always like there always has to be uh, a force from inside the structure to say that no, we we would have corrected this. Uh, which is like you know, I mean, it's everywhere in code movies. But uh, even after that, it lives on because you know, just in the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hadn't really thought too much about how, like the the breakdown between the national, like FBI overseer intervening is usually the good one. I mean, sometimes the, it goes the other way. It's always it always is that one of the police forces is evil, one of them is good, right? Mm-hmm. Like either it's the local cop who cares about the community taking down the evil national guy, or the good yes. national guys taking down this corrupt old boys network, right? But, but it, it's it. I feel like the FBI are usually more evil in cop movies. Yes. <laughs> Whereas in the crime movies, the FBI come in and they are better than they're the, the They're the dispassionate observer who yeah. just gets to solve the problems. Because they're not invested in the like local corruption. Yeah. Or your Twin Peaks and both versions of the cops are good and it's just okay because it's Twin Peaks. It's <laughs> <laughs> not about that. Yeah. yeah. It's the only story where both local cops and FBI are portrayed as good that I don't have a problem with them being portrayed as good in. They're just friends. Yeah, they're just friends. Uh, and then we had an email from Alex. Uh, this is uh, their first black exploitation film, uh, which uh, just talking about like the weird reality of that because yeah, it can be a lot if you're not uh, used to the form um, and you only know it through its like parody. Because the parodies, the thing about the parodies is that they are not over exaggerating anything about it. <laughs> They're pretty spot on. <laughs> no. Yeah. Like, I uh, watching this movie, I thought a lot about the Black Dynamite bit where he's like, I'm going to stop people who selling drugs to the community. And the pimp he's talking to is like, but Dolo- or, uh, Black Dynamite, I sell drugs to the community. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might be time for me to rewatch Black Dynamite because that was one of my favorite movies of that year. And I have not rewatched mm-hmm. it since, but I've seen it about three times and I loved it. Yes. Sorry to yeah. sidetrack. Yeah. I just. No, no, no. Black Dynamite right. appreciation um, moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, they ask if we'd seen any of Rudy Ray Moore's other work. I don't think I've seen anything like major that he's I've done. I've seen Big Money Hustlers. Okay, I have not. You've seen Big Money Hustlers, really? Yeah, I had a. My best. One of my best friends in high school was a juggalette. Okay. And really? Wh- wh- uh, which one? The one. Uh, her name. <laughs> Shout out to Crystal Van Epps, because we're still friends. Oh, uh, I don't know who that uh, is. Okay. Uh, she. Like, we reconnected recently on Instagram. I don't know if she's still down with the clown, but in high school, she was down with the clown. And uh, the one time I spent the night at her house, we watched Big Money Hustlers, and I thought it was the worst movie ever. 
Uh, but Rudy Ray Moore <laughs> definitely plays a Dolomite. In fact, I think he just plays Dolomite in it. Like I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, he just he's just Dolomite. Yeah, in it. and he's very old, and it's very. Uh, you can tell that the Insane Clown Posse love them some Dolomite because it's a very like uh, respectful uh, treatment of him throughout the film. <laughs> Good. Thank you uh, to the Insane Clown Posse there. <laughs> yeah, and he also just, like, always cameoed in rap albums. Like, that's all he did in the fucking 90s was just show up on rap albums and in rap videos. And Good for him. Because he was just, he was the first pimp. He was the first, like, mainstream hip-hop-y pimp. So that, like, yes. Snoop Dogg persona and, like, I don't think Snoop Dogg... I think Snoop Dogg has said this. Like, he owes everything yes. to Rudy yeah, Ray Moore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a... Let's see. Uh, without Rudy Ray Moore, there'd be no Snoop Dogg, and that's for real. Uh, <laughs> is the quote that is on uh, Rudy Ray Moore's Wikipedia page. So That's lovely. But yeah, no, I just... So I knew him as just, like, the old pimp in rap things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and then Alex provides a description of all of uh, Dolomite's outfits in this movie. Uh, I'm just going to point out the ones that are particularly funny to me. Optical Illusion, which is the one where he gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's really good. Uh, sexy Park Ranger. Uh, McMansion Sitting Room. <laughs> uh, Half-Peeled Lemon. Uh, Staples Carpet. <laughs> Doctor Strange, uh, and the Fifth Doctor twice. <laughs> yeah, because aren't they in order of appearance? Yes. Um, yeah. My favorite one is Donald Duck. <laughs> I had to look up the Fifth Doctor, uh, but you know, not wrong, not wrong. Oh, and my duvet yeah. cover, <laughs> which yes. is the very last outfit. <laughs> He wears a stick of celery. Yeah. Is that what that is? Yeah, no, he's got decorative celery. That's Doctor Who for you. Oh, he's wacky. He's wacky. so wacky. He's so wacky. (laughs) Um, How's Doctor Who, Jackson? Bad. Yeah. I know you don't watch it, but you do keep your ear to the ground about it. Um... Oh, yeah, no, I I looked at the plot this season and went, that's stupid, and then ignored it. Is it still (laughs) the lady doctor? Yes. Okay. Yes. So they did. They did retcon everything about who the doctor is in a way that is very weird and busted. Um. Yes. Uh. We debated whether this was worse than the last retcon. I say the last retcon's worse, and this is just the stupid thing that all TV shows are. Um. They're uh, both bad, though. Let's, they're both let's bad. Not, let's yeah, be real. Let's not, uh, Let's not lie to ourselves. Uh, you, don't, just right. don't, you don't need to watch Doctor Who. I mean, I know no one who's listening to this podcast like probably needs to hear me say that, but you don't need to watch Doctor Who. Um, if you want emails again, podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Next time, we are watching Little Woods, uh, which is a 2018 crime thriller western uh, directed by Nia DaCosta. Um, on, in the US, this is on Hulu. Uh, did you look up the UK, Jackson, or no? Um, let me do that right now. Okay. I picked this because Nia DaCosta is directing the Candyman remake, reboot sequel thing. Um, and I was like, you know, I want to watch this one. Uh, it stars Tess Thompson, who's great. So there's that. 
that is on uh, Amazon Prime just for streaming. Cool. Yeah, and if you know Yahoo Anime, uh, you can get it. Get <laughs> your yep. doll check. Um, so that's it. Uh, Destiny, where can people find you online? At Bridge Buzz now. Uh, Jackson. You can find me at Headfalls Off. You can find the podcast we do at abnormalmapping.com. There's a whole bunch of them there, um, including, you know, Abnormal Mapping, Game Club. Um, we we're about to do in... Disco Elysium. Be yeah, excited because that's going to be a fucking great episode. <laughs> Incredible game. The episode's going to be good. Please stay ready for it. Yeah. And yeah, you can support us on Patreon. Yeah, uh, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash normalmapping. Uh, for a variety of tiers, you get various awards. For $1 a week, you get me and uh, Jackson talking about Gundam, a great Gundam project. That's probably our most popular show. Um, for $5, you get writing every two weeks from me and Jackson. Uh, for $10, you get a VoIP Life, which is me and Jackson just talking about some bullshit. In the episode that will be out probably the same day as this goes up, uh, I did a quiz where Jackson played me a bunch of movie trailer covers, like bad somber covers of classic songs and i tried to guess what movie they belong to uh it was a good time movie trailers are a fucking crime (laughs) um the songs are so bad the songs are so bad yeah um Anyway, uh, other than that, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being uh, where you are required to retweet all of my good tweets but but don't expect to like them I forgot that was a handoff. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's staying. <laughs>